Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining me for this week's edition of the SMIE Consulting Midweek Roundup. I'm your host, Marty Bennett, and today on the Roundup, we're going to be answering three questions we've been hearing from international educators that uh, have raised our eyebrows over the last few days as we look to get to, to grips with the issues that are challenging our field today. Uh, before we get to those answers, we're going to say a quick shout out to those that are watching live here on Facebook. Always a pleasure to be uh, having your company on a Wednesday afternoon to chat about the topics that are vital to our future as international educators. Secondly, I want to give uh, those that are taking time out of their days to watch on repeat, either on our YouTube channel or our Facebook page for SMIE Consulting. Uh, it's great to uh, have your eyes on what we're saying each week. And of course, those that are downloading us and making our podcast, SMIE News Fit to Share, uh, and our newsletter uh, as popular as they are and as uh, resources for international educators, free resources that you can use at your leisure. As always, we take our uh, stories and our questions that we develop each week from uh, the news stories that we uh, report on in all the SMIE News Fit to Share. That's our newsletter that comes out on Mondays, 9 a.m. Eastern. Uh, that's free, free to subscribe, dropping the link to this most recent edition in the comments section on the Facebook page. But you can also get all an archive of all the past uh, editions as well as uh, subscribe on that page, smieconsulting.org slash subscribe. And then you'll be able to add your name to the subscriber list for the newsletter. So if you ever need more in-depth uh, views on what we cover in the newsletter, come to the Roundup and we'll most likely be covering those themes here on Wednesdays. So let's get right to the first question. This is a question that uh, we've been alluding to several times in the newsletter over the last several weeks. And also uh, we've uh, been doing, as you are familiar, uh, a series on SIEM, uh, the Strategic International Enrollment Management, uh, and the six P's of SIEM. That's the new kind of philosophy I've come up with in the last few months uh, on how institutions should be approaching international student recruitment as not just a front-end, top-of-the-funnel kind of mix of bringing students into your campuses, but it's about that whole journey that whole journey of students from that time they first find out about your institution uh, through an online contact most likely to the time they graduate and become successful alumni hopefully. That journey is one that you can and should have more control over and have a unifying message throughout uh, than you do probably right now. So that's what we're talking about with that series. And my fifth article related to this in the, of the six P's came out last week in um, the ongoing series I've done for IDP Connect called the six P's of Strategic International Enrollment Management. And this fifth P is personalization. And the question, does personalization matter for international students? And it may seem like a silly question, but when it comes right down to it, it personalization uh, has in the past required a lot of individual effort. Uh, when before technology and CRMs that allowed you to personalize and have segmented streams for different populations and different uh, majors and countries and uh, interests, uh, that, that uh, until that happened, personalization required someone sitting down on Excel spreadsheets or looking at, uh, when, when back in one day when I started getting uh, car cards, inquiry cards from magazines even, uh, or fairs that we attended overseas, bringing them back and then uh, typing out or uh, emailing that student a letter 
that had some content that was very personal, but that took a lot of legwork, a lot of time that frankly, uh, if you're in a larger office, you don't have uh, to uh, when you have the volume of students that you might have. So technology has certainly allowed for personalization to happen more easily. But I, I still wonder about how personalized the journey is on many college campuses beyond first name, maybe country, maybe major. So what this, uh, this fifth P on personalization really deals with, uh, and the article I'm dropping a link to in the uh, comment section on the Facebook page, uh, is also be found on my LinkedIn profile as well, is from IDP Connect. And uh, the article itself is... Really, uh, the future, and this is a, a quote from Marissa Meyer, former president and CEO of Yahoo, who said, to me, the future is personalization. And really, the future is here. So the, you, you see this more and more every day when you're uh, doing an online search for something. Uh, if you're looking to buy something on uh, Amazon, you do a search for it first. Uh, then all of a sudden you see that popping up everywhere on your social feeds. Uh, every news site you visit, you might see an, art, an ad for that product you were just Googling or searching for. And that's uh, retargeting, redirecting based on your, what, your, what tendencies you have uh, shown through your search activity. And that comes back to you. And that's personal, personalized response to your interest uh, that you've shown in a particular search. So that is, has been happening for years, actually. Uh, and that is something when we look at, there, there are ways, obviously, that gets done. And IDP Connect certainly does that through their retargeting uh, services uh, for those that visit uh, the hot courses profiles for individual institutions. There's ability to retarget those students on their searches elsewhere on, online and uh, their social profiles so that your message can be uh, getting in front of those eyes that have already hit, hit, uh, hit upon you once. They're, you're, they're, they're, they'll be seeing your content again and again as a result of that visit to your profile. So there are ways to do that uh, before a student even formally inquires to you uh, or applies to your institution, which we all know about shadow applicants and shadow inquiries, how that happens. So are we getting a sense on how, that's, how students get to you is always a always kind of a challenge in, in this day and age with, uh, we found you on the internet. Okay, that narrows it down to five different, 50 different uh, events or things that we've done online. So what, pers what personalization means for international students? Does it matter? Yes, obviously it matters. Any time that you can have, uh, create a personal connection with a student uh, through the, your messaging, through content that you're putting out there that speaks to them as individual students, uh, then that will resonate and have a greater impact. We used to say whichever, uh, whichever, uh, uh, whichever I-20 the student got first from an institution that they applied to, that is probably where they're going to go. Uh, while there may be still nuggets of that, it's a much more personalized approach and those that uh, promote efficiencies in their admissions processes, that simplify it, that personalize it to students that make it very clear what the expectations are from the student perspective and what they should expect of you as an institution reviewing their content, it can get to a very personal level. And you want that kind of a connection because you want your students to feel connected to you as an indiv individual because we've always said in admission circles that uh, your relationships with these students um, will last for years, uh, particularly if they enroll, because you've shown interest in them. Uh, actual, they feel a connection to you and, and, and 
directly to the university or sometimes the other way around to the university through you. And that's something that I think has value beyond just the initial conversations you have. It can be re replicated many times during the recruitment cycle throughout the time that they are students uh, on your campus until they become successful in their own right after they graduate. And that's frankly the journey that we're talking about here from initial prospect to alumni status, cradle to grave really, is how are you personalizing your message to your prospective students? And you really, you start with the question, ask yourself what you want. So if you're looking uh, at international students, are they going to respond better to a dear student letter that's very much a form letter, even form letters now that can, can personalize first names that every inquiry will get? Or do you allow for different uh, factors where you do have information about them, their school, their country, their academic area of interest, that you can then go deeper with that student and show that you're connecting with what they want, with their interests, with their needs. Uh, what's, uh, what we all, we'll also need to get to in, in the personalization piece here is a reflection of, and this is where your messaging really matters most, is the messages you are sending that show it's not just you selling an, your institution or that you're, the, the, the students should be happy that you're considering them or even responding to them. Uh, I think aside from the true elite schools that have low single-digit admit rates that we all know and talk about, um, the reality is that students that we're talking to have options, many, many options, more than we think that they do. That it's not just students looking at your, your institution and maybe a competitor institution of yours in, in the same state or the same region are the same uh, category of school in the United States. It's these students have options in many countries that they could consider. And if the pandemic has shown us anything in the last year and a half, it's that students have kept their options open and are willing to change destination countries, not just institutions where they might get a better offer, but countries based on the level of personalization, the desire and intent to recruit them specifically, and to show that it's not just you're, you're it on a stick and every student that applies to you should be happy to be considered and enroll, uh, enrolled at your institution. It is the opportunity that you have to show to your prospective students individually that they matter and that they uh, have options and that you appreciate the knowledge that they have options and that you're grateful that they're considering you. Not, don't have to be supp a supplicant there and just con con constantly moan at them and say, oh, we're so glad you're considering it. But show that it's, you, it's you're interested in them as much as they are interested in you. And that is a differentiator that I think too many colleges don't do in this process. And that is something where it's, in a, we're talking about global perspective. That was our first P, perspective. When you look at that in context of messaging, and your messaging is where you can really, it should really hit home with your prospective student audiences in terms of what matters most to you as an institution. You have your institutional values. You back those up with, for, in, how, in the ways that you conduct yourselves as an institution. If you're, one of your missions as an institution is to become more international or more uh, produce global competent students, how do you reflect that in your messaging? But when you can personalize it to students, 
and you can approach it from the fact that these students you're talking to, potentially their parents for undergraduate admissions, that you have opportunities now to provide a level of a connection that you haven't had for many years. And you should if you're taking the right perspective on things and recognizing that these students have many different options in terms of where they can go, not just in the United States, but to, the, to Canada, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, not so much in the last year and a half or for the next year or so, but you, they have options. And they're willing to change if you're willing to reach out to them and sh show them that you, you appreciate what they're going through. And that's that empathy. That sympathy for the student perspective is, hey, this has been an awful year for everybody. Uh, and that's just some, a message that you can, will resonate and that everybody can identify, will have known people who have died as a result of the pandemic, that have suffered great personal loss, whether financially, emotionally, physically, whatever it is, this pandemic has really taken us down. Uh, in my article uh, that talks about personalization, I talk about what would you want to see. Uh, and there's a lot of different things you can do uh, that, we, that we talk about through social media, through email, through live chats you do, virtual meetings, all of these things that you've been doing uh, this past year, uh, much more than you might have done in the past because of your not inability to travel anywhere. And this, 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 this is a, a message I, I can't emphasize enough. We're in a global race for these students. Uh, the ones that uh, a race that has is, is gotten increasingly competitive. There are more players on the field now than there were uh, ever before, and that are all gearing their promotion of their country uh, as a destination. Uh, and that's something that we don't we we used to do in the U.S., but we don't do it much anymore. But I think that needs to be as part of the, our messaging too. It's not just promoting our in institution as uh, a destination for students, but how. Uh, our country is a, a, a true benefit to international students uh, and that we can help them achieve their dreams. And that's something that I think every, every student wants to hear and certainly parents want to see the results of that and the outcomes of that as well. So that's a story for another day, but we'll talk about that uh, too in the, in the coming weeks. But what uh, part what does also personalization mean uh, is also multilingual content. And that is something that I've talked about for many years. I've done several presentations at NAFSA conferences about this. NAFSA is going on virtually this week. I'm not going because it's, frankly, we've talked had that, uh, that conversation already. But uh, this is a message that I don't think people hear uh, loudly enough, that you're to, even though you, you, your English standards for entry purposes for undergraduate education may require all full, our full, fluent, full fluency, you might not have an ESL program on campus, so this isn't really, you don't think it's a real issue for you, but it is when you talk about these students have parents, and uh, parents and our family members that are going to be helping, particularly at the undergraduate level, helping to pay for their education most likely, are, are definitely engaged in the process, so who want to know and be a part of that decision-making process. So they may not have uh, fluent English like the student might be required to have, even if you're in that situation uh, where the students that are applying to you already have to have uh, full English to be even considered for admission. Uh, but it is an opportunity to have messaging, key messaging on content, uh, on pricing, on the admissions process, on scholarships, 
on your community uh, that is in native language for your key markets. And I think this is important. Uh, you, you can't obviously get every language in the world, uh, this information translated in every format uh, or in every potential language that your prospective students speak, but uh, focusing in on key markets. So having something in Mandarin, uh, maybe some, having something uh, in Arabic uh, for, and Portuguese for the Brazilian market, for Spanish for most of all of Latin America. Uh, th these are things that having content in these languages will help you bridge gaps. Uh, will help you show a level of attention to the individual student that your standard email communications will never do. And it's not just in emails. And this is something that I, I, I can't emphasize enough. If, if once you have the content translated uh, for emails, for your website, for microsites you develop, for social media posts uh, that can be targeted to specific countries and regions, uh, to uh, video. Uh, though video, you, you obviously have to do subtitles unless you're recording in the native language. But having that available adds so much value to what you're doing uh, and so much more about a level of personalization that you can provide to your prospective student audiences that it will only elevate your game in terms of your ability to connect and eventually convert those students. But uh, I know when we talk personalization and technology don't seem to always Technology seems to be cold and distant and maybe not uh, the most uh, user-friendly uh, times, but it, it, can, uh, it can really help you get over the hump in terms of connecting with, uh, with the audiences in meaningful ways. But for those that are, are looking a little bit more bigger picture, uh, there are ways to personalize uh, through what we call student persona. Uh, this is a concept that, uh, that allows you to get your message to specific students that are in, fall into general categories of students. Those that are, uh, and this is uh, from the research of Dr. Rahul Chaudha, uh, a good friend and colleague on, in international ed circles. Uh, he's, a, he's an expert, widely quoted in, uh, uh, in news articles on international ed topics for years. But uh, he, he breaks four core student personas down uh, for us. Uh, explorers, high flyers, strugglers, and strivers. That evaluates students' uh, basic financial resources and academic preparedness. So the explorers tend to be uh, those that have uh, very, um, very high ability uh, or uh, high ability preparedness, uh, but perhaps uh, low, uh, low finan lower financial aid. Strugglers are those that are low financial aid and are, have low ability to pay and low academic preparedness. Strivers are the academic preparedness high and financial resources low. Explorers can, are actually also financial resources high. And then you have the high flyers, which are kind of the, uh, the full pay, uh, brilliant kids that every, every college and university wants, uh, but very few get. So that's uh, that's those are the four student personas that uh, Rahul uh, talks about. And it, when you talk about those personas, it's the general themes that go along with those. So when the high flyers and the strivers that have, or explorers and the high flyers, sorry, that have high financial uh, capacity, uh, their their concern is not going to be about need-based financial aid. It's going to be perhaps merit scholarships as uh, cocktail party uh, content for their parents. 
so those are the, those are issues that might be more important to them where you're talking about uh, those that are, are looking for ranking perhaps more than most uh, that uh, really have sets high, their high, sights set on outcomes perhaps most most importantly uh, and there'll be other issues that strugglers have that uh, they uh, will need academic support that will need perhaps English language support but also will need financial support those are probably the hardest group to convert but they have specific, if you have the resources and they have uh, make an effort to recruit this particular dynamic or demographic then there's messaging implications to how you want to reach out to them differently than you reach out to high flyers so great content in terms of personas how important that can be uh, but also storytelling is an is the last piece I think that uh, when you're when you're personalizing messages you're making connections uh, the, your ability to tell your institution's story uh, not through flashy brochures or uh, stage diversity pictures uh, or highly polished marketing videos it's it's oftentimes the real from the horse's mouth, from the students, from their alumni, from the parents' message that can make it uh, that where they're telling their version of uh, the in, their institutional story, uh, your institutional story. So I think it's something that when you when you combine those elements into your messaging, uh, into your communication plan, uh, you have uh, taken your your marketing and recruitment for international audiences to the next level. So that's the, that's the fifth P. Uh, does personalization matter for international students? And the obvious answer is, of course, but how it matters and what, it can, what forms it can take are really what we want to focus on. So we'll shift gears now into the second question. Is what students are saying important? And this, uh, of course it is, but what we're talking here are uh, the wide amount of, uh, large amount of surveys that have come to light in the last few weeks. We talked about an agent survey last week and how, uh, how important they can be in uh, kind of a canaries in the coal mine type of thing in terms of predicting uh, where student interest is going, and that might be on a, on a global scale. But uh, the... Uh, and uh, the ISEF agent voice survey uh, was one of those that uh, surveyed 1,200 agents from 108 countries uh, that uh, they are, uh, are in terms of their, where they're directing students now, uh, are being directed towards Canada, the UK, and then the US, where demand seems to be uh, rising for the, for the US over the last, uh, last few months. And we've talked about the implications of why that's happened uh, since the election in November. Uh, there, uh, the good news is uh, these agents are really showing that uh, they are in, have also had an uptick, uptick in interest from institutions looking to partner with them. So uh, that our universities around the globe are also uh, looking to uh, looking to agents as a as a real important pathway uh, for for uh, for their for finding places for study. Uh, well, uh, there are two or three other surveys out there that uh, talk about various things, and uh, the question is what students are saying are important, and when you, when you read these surveys, you want to get context, obviously, behind each one to understand how many students were surveyed, uh, where are they from, uh, getting a sense of the questions asked, and that type of thing. Uh, another one came out from QS uh, for the U.S. edition. They, uh, the insights in their report, uh, 105,000 international students, uh, 34,000, about so roughly a third indicated they were interested in the U.S. Uh, that were in interviewed for this uh, QS survey. Uh, they talk about the impact of uh, coronavirus on their their destination markets that they're considering. 
uh, talking about um, outcomes is how important that is for for students that particularly now when families may have taken economic hits during the pandemic that uh, they're looking for uh, more of a sure bet uh, or certainty and uh, in terms of getting a job after graduation those types of things and they talk the report also mentions their um, uh, best some best practices for how students want to receive information, what kinds of co uh, content matter. So this the, getting reports like this is helpful. We put in context, obviously, uh, in terms of what the what the metrics are metrics are involved here. So uh, you can get a free download from QS for that report. Uh, you've also got um, interesting Keystone uh, Keystone Academic Solutions uh, also has another. Uh, another uh, another survey out that has said that the U.S. is expected to bounce back in 2022. Uh, so that's encouraging news again. Uh, that the re results from this survey were in, are quoting a Pi News article uh, that was from uh, Keystone's chief executive, uh, Eric Harrell, who's indicated 83% uh, of our students said they were more likely to study in the U.S. since President Biden's election. Uh, that uh, they are looking uh, about half of their visitors to their sites were looking at master's programs, 21% bachelor's, 13% doctorate, 12% uh, certificate or diploma programs. So um, these, these, these reports do seem to uh, reflect kind of an upward trend towards the United States. And I think the, uh, what uh, the Keystone survey also says is that a change of administration uh, will not maybe have as, per, uh, as much of an impact in enrollments this year, but certainly for the next year or two, uh, it should. Uh, that it's, the surveys also reflect it's a very competitive market out there for students, reflecting what we're talking about. You know, it's an increasingly global market for international students, more players, more, uh, more potential competition out there, and it's important for institutions to really get their sights set on what uh, they, they really value and understand their niche, understand having a cohesive and comprehensive um, messaging plan, communication plan that's multi-level, multi-country, multi uh, and where there is some level of personalization. So listening to these surveys does matter because it gives you a sense of what the, what's going on in the world uh, from the student perspective and what the issues are that they're experiencing. So obviously there's value in that, most definitely. Now, uh, we'll shift gears to something more uh, time-sensitive and urgent for uh, international students uh, to understand about what, uh, your, where your college is in relation to vaccinations. So the question is, third question, does your campus have a nuanced vaccination policy for international students? Are, are you, have you gone down the road as, of some schools like Rutgers that uh, said they were going to re require uh, vaccinations for all students in order to attend? Uh, then they've added some caveats along the way. Or are you uh, not requiring because it's, an, it's uh, most of the vaccines that are out there, all the vaccines currently are available for emergency use only, uh, have been approved for emergency use only, so none are approved for normal use as a regular uh, vaccine that you might get would be uh, for, to attend schools. Uh, so uh, there are some states that are waiting for some of these uh, vaccinations to be made uh, available for regular use, not just emergency use. Uh, we talked about that with uh, CUNY and SUNY last time in, uh, in New York. But uh, there's an Axios article out this past week that talks about this in depth, and I'm really grateful that uh, something we've been talking about here on the Roundup every week 
it seems, for the last uh, two or three months uh, is, is also coming to light and there's been a light shed on it, uh, shown on it. Uh, but it is uh, why, why it matters uh, to have a vaccination policy that considers where international students are coming from. And there are two kind of ways that, that you, you, you'll want to look at this from an international perspective. Uh, and having a clear message for your international audiences is key. And when's the time to be doing that? Now, if not two, three weeks ago. Uh, but having a clear line of communication with your admitted students that are potentially coming in the fall, international, domestic, all of them, about what your policies are. Uh, and even if you don't have something decided, you need to be upfront with them about what the timeline is, what your expectations are, uh, that um, if you're not going to be requiring them, but you're going to be strongly recommending, are you going to have vaccinations available for students once they arrive on campus, new students that are coming to campus or returning students that haven't been on campus for over a year? Uh, is that going to be a part of your process? Uh, this is something that you need to know. If you're going to be requiring vaccinations uh, in order to start classes, are you accepting uh, only W or excuse me, only FDA approved vaccinations, the Pfizer, the Moderna, and the Johnson Johnson? Or are you going to be looking a little bit more broadly and accepting all WHO approved uh, vaccinations? And that's not all of them either, uh, because there are some countries that have rolled out vaccinations. China has had a couple, uh, two big ones, Sinovac and Sinopharm. Sinopharm is on the approved list for WHO, but Sinovac is not. So beyond, so there's three levels here. Uh, there's FDA approved vaccinations if you're requiring. WHO uh, approved vaccinations and then any student who's gotten a vaccination in their home country. Are you going to be particular about those students? Are you going to give international students exemptions? Um, though, uh, we're, 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 as we've talked about here, we're in a very fortunate place in the U.S. that we have more vaccinations than we have people to take them right now. Uh, we are at about 40%, just crossed the 40% threshold in terms of vaccinations last month. Uh, so that's a, that's a big deal. Um, but we, uh, not every country is like that. Most countries aren't uh, in terms of vaccination rates and the ability for prospective students before they leave to get a vaccination uh, is not always going to be universal. Um, some, most won't have the opportunity to do that. Uh, we'll, we'll talk next week about a story out of India where their students are actually being given priority if they're going abroad to be vaccinated before they go through one of the approved ones in India. So there's, there's a lot of variations here, that uh, variables that you want to consider. And having messaging that's clear and concise and is being developed now or sent out now uh, to your prospective audiences. And not just in one email, not just in one Facebook post, but have a video, have an email, have chats about it, have uh, social media posts across that, that you're getting the message out as broadly as possible to your prospective audiences. Because not everybody takes information in the same way. Not everybody reads their email, but they may check a Facebook post. They may look at something on other social media channels, but they may attend a live chat. Get that message out now. So it's showing your students, your prospective students especially, and if you already have and already communicated to your current students, do it with your prospective students to get them on side so they're aware of where you are and your institution is with regard to this important policy and other things as well. But keep those lines of communication open, particularly in times where there's a great uncertainty. And if there ever has been one, this pandemic has shown it's uncertainty times 10. So uh, that's something that make sure you're including in, in, in your 
emergency plan, uh, so to speak, or, or on the fly kind of messaging you need to have available for your prospective student audiences. So make sure your international students know what your plans are for vaccinations uh, and whether they are going to be able to get them when they get to campus if they're not, uh, if they're not going to be able to get one before they leave home. So make that a priority in the next few weeks because it matters. It will matter in terms of your students' abilities uh, to enter the country, to feel comfortable coming to you, and to know that they are being recognized as that this is a need and that that's something that you're, you're aware of and that they need to feel comfortable about that with you. So hopefully you're doing that, make that a priority, and brighter days will be ahead. That's all we have for this week's edition of the Midweek Roundup. I want to say thank you again for those watching live, those watching on repeat, and those uh, listening to us as part of their podcast habits. So until next time, have a wonderful week. Cheers.